0: The Missing Intelligence Podcast is part of the Acast Creators Network. Hello and welcome to Finding Intelligence, a spin-off of the Missing Intelligence Podcast, where we have a chat with some guests about their work, passions or sometimes both, in the hopes to gain a bit of intelligence. Joe, this is the first time
1: we're doing this. And a little bit nervous going into this, but they're, they're great guys. They, they had a bit of a laugh of us, I think. Um, I learned a, a whole hell of a lot going into this.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, who's obviously you've got somewhat of an insight into the industry itself, being a musician, Mike. And maybe that's a bit of, bigging you up a little bit too much, I know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for someone like me, I've I've never apart from doing music at school. Yeah, I've I've not really got much clue about doing it as an actual yeah. career so yeah really interesting great guys and yeah, uh, yeah like you say we've a lot so I'll take a little bit of a lead on it in this
1: episode I think because I, I knew Andy and, and Tom previously through through my band so I've kind of got an idea of, of, of what they do already yeah I think I think you certainly learn, learn a little bit through this yeah. and I, I mean I learned a lot
0: yeah um, never done an interview before so big moment but yeah I, th- I think we've done half decent I'm sure people will tell us if we haven't yeah <laughs> Well, in that case then, let's get straight into it, shall we? Let's do it.
1: So we're joined here today by uh, Andy Firmage of Eric's Sound Studio, uh, who is a music producer and multi-instrumentalist, and Tom Franklin, who is a backline technician. Uh, hello guys, Well, welcome to the podcast, it's great to have you here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks man. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of what you guys do, do you want to just tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into the type of work that you got into uh, yeah, so my so my main job is, uh, I'm a backline
2: technician for bands, so it's just setting up equipment uh, for the show, trying to monitor things during the set and then packing things away. I kind of, I, don't know, I feel lucky like you know, it's, it's all, I feel like a lot of it's just right place, right time, so I ended up drinking with the right people <laughs> and getting pushed for the right, right jobs and that, and it's kind of, yeah, it just went from there. The more drinking, the better, obviously, in terms of the work. <laughs> but that's how we
0: get most of our content, that... to be honest. So, yeah, it works out. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, does drinking make you better at your job? Is that, <laughs> is that, is that a thing? Uh, I think that's a matter of
2: perspective. <laughs> it depends on whether I'm answering that or
0: someone else's. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that solves our first question. Guys, if you want to get into music tech, just drink too much. That's fine. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Nothing Nothing can go wrong from a health and safety
0: point. <laughs> and then I'll of things later.
3: And, and Andy, what about you? Well, I'm basically a music producer slash sound engineer. I run my own studio. I suppose how I got in it, yeah, it was just really more, um, I built my own rehearsal studio at the end of my garden and um, it just kind of morphed from recording my own bands to recording mates' bands to recording mates' of mates' bands and I just set my job off and that's all I do now. Oh,
1: so it wasn't something that you just one day decided, I'm going to quit my day job and I'm going to make this my career. It was kind of like a progression,
3: was it? It kind of was a progression, but I suppose subconsciously the idea had been in my head for quite a few years, and I just kind of thought I'll never get round to it. Right. I mean, and then I just was very unhappy with my job, so I just sacked it off. I mean, and I, what was
1: it you were you were doing for a day job?
3: Um, I was a civil servant, believe it or not. <laughs> um, I worked for government. So I mean, there's quite a few hilarious stories there right. about meeting people that are. In positions of power are absolute morons. <laughs> but, um, maybe not for this yeah, podcast. Yeah, we'll we'll split the maybe. political aspects. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're not doing a really expose into um, how how your local MP has been the bottom. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that, that, we'll, we'll try and keep it to the to the producers. So, what made you want to build a studio at the bottom of your garden?
3: it was basically to stop lots and lots of stupid comments and, um, well, not comments, um, conversations. Because, as you know, Mikey, the, the thing about being in a band is it's a case of, when is everyone free to rehearse? Yeah. And these conversations go on interminably for days. And the texts and WhatsApps and emails go flying around until the one place that you all agree that you want to go is booked. You're fucked yeah, up. yeah. It's, it's always last um, minute as well yeah yeah so it, it's kind of under the premise of you know james earl jones in field of dreams saying, if you build it they will come i mean actually the reverse is true because generally you'll find that people have always get something better to do but the, <laughs> yeah. the, the point of it is that's kind of how it came about because i just didn't want to pay for a rehearsal room ever again i couldn't be bored with having that conversation again so you'd You'd the the cheaper option and just built your own instead yeah (laughs) Yeah. i was gonna say so
1: you you, instead of paying the 40 quid every now and again you thought i'll I'll spend the 20 grand or however much it takes to to build a studio just so you. yes but
3: bear in mind i hasten to say this was like 12 or 13 years ago right so if you don't mind me asking how
1: much did it cost if if that's not a sensitive subject,
3: um, I don't know. Actually, I think it was about me twenty odd. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's what I would have expected. Just for the structure. No, that was a lot. Oh, is that yeah? But I did, I did quite a lot of I did quite a lot of the work myself. I mean, obviously, I didn't do a brick work, but I did um, I did some of the stud walling. I did um, some of the the plaster boarding and drywalling. I certainly did all the flooring, right, um, and painting and all the rest of it. Wow. But, okay. I mean, all the main stuff. I I just outsourced to people that I could pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. um, Andy, I'll
0: start with you. What, what does your normal day look like?
3: Well, it depends, but if we're assuming that this is during term time, I'll get up, I'll make my kids breakfast, I'll take my son to, to school, and I'll come back and I'll basically see what I've got. Generally, if it's a weekday, I'll probably be catching up on Whatever it was I recorded at the weekend, um, mainly doing edits or doing some revisions or mixing or mastering or whatever the case might be, um, then I'll probably have a chat with a few people about whatever it is that they're wanting to do later on in the week or a month or whatever, make sure I'm prepped and make sure they are prepped for whatever they're doing and um, just leave it at that. Sometimes I, I devote a, a, a day or two to just like chatting to people to see um how they're getting on with the material, if they, when they think they might be ready so I can have a rough idea in mind as to when this might be, right. planning my time a bit in advance. <laughs> generally, that's a, a sort of average day, week sort of scenario. Yeah. It does tend to be that people... Employment has become more precarious for a lot of people, and generally people that do bands aren't... Well, let's be fair, they're not going to be working in the city. and um, um, I, I don't know... Um, managing a hedge fund um, <laughs> it it's more likely they're going to be i don't know driving a forklift truck or right, um, yeah. you know working in mcdonald's or or something that isn't necessarily very well paid yeah so they're going to not want to take time off and they're probably going to want to record on a weekend yeah sure yeah um or they, I mean, or,
1: but on, on the flip side they might be working sort of antisocial hours and and during the day in a the week they might be ideal No, is that not what you found
3: no, it's not. I mean, it's generally been more the exception rather than the rule that people want to record for like a whole block of time, like a week. Right. Or certainly even during a week.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
3: Um, I have had quite a few folk that have done it, but they're the minority. Right, okay. Most folk will generally go for like what weekends you got in whatever month. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. And
1: how far in advance do you book up? Or would you book up?
3: Um, I think it would depend, really. Um, if it's gonna go past the point where I would change my price, right? Um, I would have to think about it. Okay. I mean, I might suck it up. I might not. Um, so it wouldn't. It wouldn't
1: depend on what's being recorded. So if it was just a guy coming in to record some guitar, you wouldn't. That's fine. You would like record. You if they wanted to come in in eight months' time, you would book that up, would you? no one would ever bring right. a slot Whoa, as small I mean, as that. okay fair enough <laughs> I'm just trying to first some half of it
3: I mean if you get a no-show it's generally always something very small like um oh can I do like a, a vocal session or a rap session or whatever right. because it's not perceived to take um to be a big deal right um and obviously you can't really necessarily take a deposit for something that's so small anyway sure. I mean different if it's if it's, like, a a whole band or something or or someone that wants to record, like, um, more than, I don't know, more than two hours. Right, okay. You know? Yeah. Anything after that, yeah, then you're giving me a deposit so you've got some skin in the game so that
1: yeah, then uh, you're going to turn yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense.
3: And, uh, um, and
1: Tom, what about you? What, what's your daily routine like? Um,
2: So on gig days, we'll... Um, if we are traveling away it's, it'll be the sort of the day before and day after we do pickups on the um on the day before we're quite lucky uh with the van that I'm currently working for that everything is in one lockup. okay so we'll go to where this lockup is load up the van and then head to whichever wonderful part of the UK Shrewsbury or Skegness or you know Bobner <laughs> all the best places and um uh, yeah usually depending on sort of um how everyone else is all sort of other stuff it's around it. It can be sort of five or six hours driving and then be there for the night, get to the hotel, a few drinks, have dinner, and then get there for the show the next day. If it's like festival stuff, where you're on at like four in the afternoon, try and get there for like midday, argue with stage crew about rise, rise of times and things like that yeah. and how it's going to work. Um, and then, yeah, get the show on, pack it all down. And uh, drive back the following day is and, there a huge it's...
0: difference between your setup for uh say like a headline gig and a, a festival sort of situation yeah so the
2: um if we're if we're headlining out an actual like venue where you can get everything on stage and leave it set up and essentially you get the opportunity to be dicks really because the other bands have to work around you i can't do that i hate doing that but so my my colleague that I work with is really good at just putting his foot down,
0: right.
3: being
2: an arsehole, <laughs> and I, I appreciate it so much. <laughs> but on festival stuff, we'll all you'll have the big sort of uh, backstage area. Everything gets set up and rolling rises, and you'll have like a half an hour changeover to move everything around. <coughs> God, get everything into place and then uh, sort it all out. Whereas. Uh, Yeah, for venues, you'll be set up by like six and on Mm -hmm. at like ten. So then you end up with like four hours to kill.
1: If if, if you're at a venue, is there any typical sort of um, like restraints that venues could put on you in terms of what you can have loaded in, what you can set up and, you know, you you get some weird ones. The weirdest one I've had, we played um,
2: uh, right on the seafront down in... I think I think it was near it might be near Bournemouth or somewhere like that but we um we couldn't unload or we couldn't load out we had to wait for band to finish because it was rather seafront it was too windy we couldn't use the back doors
1: right
2: and it's just you know it just seems ridiculous you know you think I'll yeah. oh, drive back you know none of us want to be here anymore we're finished but no yeah. doubt we'll, we'll sit around because it's too windy
1: outside oh right okay that makes sense <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, Andy through through your job have you ever ventured into live performance of like music production or engineering or have you just stuck strictly to studio stuff
3: I have I have done live sound I mean I've done live sound for theatres I've done sound design for theatres as well okay um as for doing live sound for bands I have very rarely done it I generally don't enjoy it (laughs) why is that it's just not the same it's I just find it a bit more uncontrollable. And right. generally you're at the mercy of room acoustics and all the rest of it, I whereas suppose, yeah. I suppose if you're if you're sitting down to to do something, if you're in your own space or whomever space it is, um, if you're in someone else's studio or whatever, um, you realize that what you hear is what you hear. And um, as long as you're used to the room and used to whatever monitors you're using and whatnot, sure you, you'll always get what it is that you think you will right um whereas live sound is much more of a potluck
1: so you, would you say you prefer the familiar familiarity of working in the same space yeah as
3: opposed to yeah, yeah. A different venue every night okay um, besides and... you you don't get paid very well doing live sound anyway <laughs> it's <just like> that.
0: <laughs> uh, so Andy where where does your uh... When you're recording, do you tend to always take control of? Do you go as far as mastering tracks for people, or is it very much sort of on a um, sort of every now and then someone might ask you to, to pro- produce it all the way through this, this or the they it tend, just ask it to, tends to be um, they'll do it. Um,
3: it tends to be the fact that I'll mostly tend to go the whole way with people. I mean, sometimes people want to get stuff mastered somewhere else. That's cool. Um, Sometimes people just want to track, but they want to mix themselves, and then they might come back after that and have me master whatever it is they've done. Um, It is, you know, as individual as people are, there's no right or wrong answer. And plus, it's nothing to be that bothered about. It's their material, not yours. And um, ultimately, I'm only there to facilitate them getting the best Getting the best sound they can possibly get at the time that they're doing it
0: talking about uh, people's material and now uh, you don't need to answer this if you don't want to <laughs> have you had any situations where you've really hated <laughs> what someone's produced and had to sit there listening to it over and over again <laughs> we're not asking for particulars or anything yes. like that but does it happen
3: <laughs> <laughs> um this um was a very long time ago it was um before i started being a lot more picky um and it's a good lesson to learn which is to say never do stuff just for money (laughs) right because (laughs) the simple fact of it is whilst you enjoy what you do not as much so afterwards yeah and really that was that was um i took a project which i probably shouldn't have and um i didn't enjoy it at all and i just kind of said wait well lesson learned i'm never doing that again <laughs> it'll be a case of either I only what with people like or people m- whose material I like
1: right so was that was that the crux of it then it was the, the like the genre of music
3: that was the the thing
1: for you always it, it was everything before?
3: actually it was the, it was a it was a people as well i mean it was like a it was like a six-piece metal band right. there was like three guitarists two of them were two guys were singing and you can imagine the sort of rampant egotism that was going on right um yeah. it was when we got down to mixing it was a case of turn me up no turn me up no turn me up what do you right. mean turn me up turn me up is that not a, me up. Is <laughs> no it's not <laughs> um unfortunately not tom um but i think um it got so stupid that um and it was just completely soul destroying for me and mm, um, right. because I, you can't We kind of when you get round to that sort of thing and you're not necessarily so used to people being idiots right, uh, yeah. for want of a better phrase that you kind of start to self second guess yourself and say am i really rubbish at this <laughs> do, you, do you have
0: a lot of input on on the tracks that that you record as well does sometimes the band come in and say look whatever you you think works
3: i offer i offer um advice if they want it some some bands like a very collaborative thing they're like um they're like well let's just sit down and we'll, we'll kind of like dig into this as we go um some bands are like right we have this completely set in our heads this is how it's going to sound just press record and shut up
1: right well now, so that was one of the questions i had i had planned for you Andy. was yeah. um what is it specifically that people are hiring you for is it your knowledge and expertise yeah your opinions or and creative input or is it the space that you're recording in or does it does it vary and sort it, of sun- it
3: varies to be right. fair um for the most part it's knowing how to get where someone wants to go right um it's a case of do you want to sound like insert name of band or artist um can you do that yes or no right um if it's a case of um do you want someone to chip in and kind of like give you suggestions as you go and say well maybe you could kind of put this in and like add extra instruments or whatever the case might be not necessarily that I'd play them but that I would maybe suggest parts for them right Mikey how have you found that recording with Andy have you kind of um
2: I'm never here for recording drums yeah that's happened so do you get input from Andy Tom's turned the tables <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Mike, you're <down laughs> the <WWE. laughs> only having I only have as like you know three quarters of us sort of have used um yeah. Studio. yeah yeah
1: no i've i've i mean i'm i'm of the opinion of any kind of uh sort of third party opinion is helpful you know because i can hear it from my perspective but ultimately music's about what other people are hearing you know you want to do it your creative way but you're kind of doing it for people's enjoyment and if you've got someone there that's that's you know, giving you an opinion of oh maybe you should try this phil or you know i can hear what you're trying to do but maybe try and do this or whatever i'm all ears for it so for me particularly um Andy's really great at that and he, he's there's a couple of the songs that we recorded with him um where he's he's given some really good uh advice and really good ideas which i think in certain cases have really made the song or that part of the song um but i think as as andy was sort of alluding to i think it it does just depend on the on the band on the client really isn't it
3: yeah um, i mean some people want advice some people want literally to be told what to do whereas whether others don't want anything they just right. literally want just record this as it is we know best or right we know so precisely what we want that you probably get it Right. And um, so with with those people that, sorry, Tom,
1: I, I know it probably feels like we're just talking to Andy, but we'll no, get to fine. you. Um, so for the people that, that have sort of very little knowledge of what it is specifically they want, they just have a song that they want to record. How do you go about explaining like different sort of recording techniques or like effects that they could use um, that they may not have thought about in terms of
3: playing it? Generally, well, music is all subjective anyway there's no right or wrong answer if someone doesn't get what it is that you're trying to do i would i would generally tend to say them well look we can try whatever it is if it doesn't work nobody's died (laughs) i mean it's it's that simple
1: yeah i
3: mean and generally if they don't have much knowledge about um saying like um oh we can like maybe do like some vocal triples here or and then we'll distort one of them or um just to just to fill out the sound a bit or i don't know they'll do some random echo here or um, Mm -hmm. whatever the case might be once they hear it they'll make a decision whether they like it or not and that's really when you know it doesn't matter if they understand the concept of of what you're trying to do or say well i'm using this setting on this compressor um it's (laughs) it's rubbish it it doesn't make any difference It's more about the simple fact of what I do, it's a results game. And it's as simple as that. If the client isn't happy with where they've got to, that's my fault. right? And it's as simple as that. And they have every right to feel unhappy, should they wish so. I generally never leave it like that, of course. (laughs) Um, Because otherwise, I'd I'd probably have um, some really hilarious Google reviews.
0: Um, (laughs) But
3: that's generally what the way i would look at it it's all it's all results based but the results can be different depending some people might think that something you've done is amazing yeah. and you might not necessarily have enjoyed it at the time i was going to say um to try and get tom involved as well
1: um do you have a different um approach to a job depending on the genre of music or depending on the instruments involved Ultimately,
2: the, the show is the same thing. Kind of the, the goal from start to finish is the same sort of thing. You kind of, I find it's more looking after different musicians and kind of what they need, right. and that you have to be a bit more aware of that. Some people want more from you. Some people want you to stay out of the way during a show as much as possible. Right. So it's not yeah. so much sort of a genre thing, or I mean, every show is different, and there are other things that you kind of have to pull together. But in terms of sort of my remit of just sort of what happens on stage. It's more about making sure the musicians during the show are accommodated for right after, and, and
1: do you, do you get to know the musician personally a little bit so you, you sort of understand what it is they expect from you?
3: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think yeah, so, yeah. I mean, we do. I mean, it's this is very much the same for both Tom and I's job. I mean, it's more about for for myself. It's more about making people at ease so that they'll give a good performance because. I mean, you can edit something, you can make it in time or in tune, but you can never ever make it quite have the kind of what you would call authority. I use inverted commas signs there. <laughs> um, the, the kind of authority of someone knowing that they've, they're they doing as good as they possibly can. Right. Um, and that's something you can't fake. Right. Um, so it's more about making people at ease and making so, sure that they um,
1: have. So yeah, I'd imagine that your job's more about As you say making them at ease and comfortable in in that environment so that they can get the best out of their performance and i imagine tom correct me if i'm wrong that your job's more about that trust of i'm there when you need me uh you know yeah give me a shout yeah yeah yeah.
2: so i would say as well so just on recording with andy in terms of what you get from a producer i when we sit down to do guitar parts where we come up with melodies together and that takes so much pressure off me like, uh, yeah, it's something I really enjoy in terms of the production that you get from that. I imagine there are a lot of like other people don't have the same sort of relationship when you come
3: in. No, quite. A, some people vary. Um, some people, like, I'll ask them to do something that won't necessarily be so obvious as to why. And then I'll play it all back because they won't have heard it all in context. Mm. And they'll just kind of go, ah, right.
2: Yeah, because when I'm writing stuff, I can get too close to it. But then when we kind of sit down. Yeah. Yeah, it's fresh ears, I guess. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> assuming that an artist that you're you're working with uh has produced or released music previously would you listen to some of their previous stuff to maybe get an idea of what they're like and and what their um what their style is really
3: yeah yeah Yeah. i would have done i would have done months in advance um and i would have i would have if possible got them to send me some stuff of um they wanted to record or maybe i'd pop down and see them when they're rehearsing or something um just so i could well, just kind of hear it myself and get a a sort of rough flavor for it um and basically see if they were i don't know maybe going to make that jungle concept album that they've been really wanting to since 1997 Um, i don't know Uh, but the, the the point of it is it's just um making sure you kind of know what you what they want in advance as much as you can Mm -hmm. um so so there's a fair
1: bit of homework i presume for the both of you then um one for andy being understanding what it is they want and then tom i'd imagine that you need i I remember you saying about drum tech and they send you pictures of how the drums set up so i'd imagine you need to do your homework about that particular musician's setup right yeah, definitely. Until you're sort of familiar with that setup,
2: there is a lot of studying pictures and trying to make sure everything's in the right place. Right. Um, I haven't come across anything too sort of sinister in terms of kit yet, but I'm waiting to sort of have to get the, uh, you know,
1: try and find a manual online for something and try and go through it right. and see if there's any sort of demons hidden in there. So what for you, Tom, what is your <laughs> sort of speciality in, on, on the back line? Oh, great question, man. I think I'm going to draw a blank. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably say mainly guitar stuff. I mean, I've been
2: playing guitar for... Uh, part of 20 years now. Okay. So when I first started doing it, it was kind of, you presume that you're going to be a bit of a fish out of water. So I just had to remind myself that I've essentially been, you know, doing guitars myself for for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So you, you learn more, you get into it more, you kind of, you flesh out sort of and get a bit more
1: expertise in things. But uh, And what, what's been the most perplexing thing that you've come across so far? Uh, Floyd Rose tremolo Bar <laughs> is...
2: I had to I've really strong one recently and it's just um oh, sorry I, you know.
1: I I don't know what that is
2: what
0: no neither do I <laughs> <laughs> it's,
2: it's, a whammy bar. it's a whammy bar on a bridge but this particular one it's a beautiful guitar um but it's yeah strap lock um uh, string locks at the top uh, and then yeah locks on the bottom uh, of this um of this bridge different allen keys reach right. just a uh, bit of a nightmare you've got everything down first tuning at the bottom as opposed to the top. Right. It's crap, basically. It's every person's washing nightmare. <laughs> I imagine it gets... I mean, that was my first time doing it a couple of weeks ago, and it's just... Um, it's it's an entirely new concept and not something I've come across before. Right. And it was, I think it was like 25 degrees. I was trying to do it in the back of a van, <laughs> uh, dripping sweat, trying not to get on the guitar. Uh, I mean, I sweat a lot of the best of the time doing right. it, so this was just...
1: Well, yeah. at least it wasn't mid-performance.
2: No, yeah, I mean...
1: No, no you know, I would have uh, Yeah,
2: we
0: just had to pull it off. <laughs> um on that note, Tom, what's what's some of the um more common issues that you come up against?
2: Uh usually sort of I think the most common one would be like patching issues. So where when everything's being set up, something won't have been there'll be a mic on something that hasn't been lined out properly into the right channel on the desk. Uh drum mics getting sort of switched around and things like that. There's uh yeah, there's, our keyboard player's got an old uh, sort of effects module, which, uh, yeah, I've heard some awful stories about it catching fire during a show. <laughs> <things like that. laughs> I haven't had anything like that. It's not a common issue. But the uh, inputs at the back can sometimes uh, play up a little bit. Um, but, yeah, there's nothing sort of too bad that comes up. I'm quite lucky that the guitarist that I mainly look after isn't going to break a string. He's a very sort of laid-back guy, and there's not, you know... The, It'd have to be a massive issue, I think, for him to make an issue of it. So I get mm.
0: quite lucky in that respect. I think. I suppose if there was a fire, that's quite rock and roll. You could kind of just play through that, right?
1: As part of the fire you
0: know. Huh? Yeah, right,
2: exactly. <laughs> You're responsible for trying to sort of look after it. Uh, yeah, yeah,
3: I suppose. Well, I suppose if it's a keyboard player, you know, no one will object <laughs> when they get set on fire. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly won't with bass players. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so,
1: Tom, do you get involved much with the sound and like the the sound checking and all that kind of stuff, or are you simply there for the artist and the equipment? Well, we do like line checks to make sure that everything sort of uh, is working. That
2: these sort of signal chains are set up right. And the sound is getting out to the monitors. Guy in the front of house, guy, but, and
1: making okay, so, have the sound. Okay, so that kind of answers my question. So it's the front of house that still does the the sound. You,
0: you guys won't take control of that. Yeah, won't
1: will not get involved with that at all.
0: So going through the production of a song, I suppose starting with you, Tom. What would be your? Where would you start? And I'm sure we'll kind of get into. We'll we'll cross ways and get into what Andy Andy does. So if you were going to make a song today, where, where, what would your starting point be? So I try and I don't really have like a set process.
2: I, try, I got into a thing recently to just try and follow every, whether it starts musically or with words, to follow them all to um, to whatever conclusion, no matter how silly they seem. So we kind of, it's always wherever it starts, it's just to try and make sure it goes through. And you kind of hope, I mean, try and write everything down uh, and I'm quite aware that sort of 95% of it is absolute trash. But the stuff that gets stuck in my head is hopefully the ones that are sort of any good. And then you kind of bring it to the other, the other guys in, in bands and things and sort of try and hopefully flesh it out together. Um, in theory, I mean, I don't like people touching my stuff. So,
3: <laughs>
2: so yeah, do yeah. have some issues there. Right. But Yeah, on the whole, it's sort of um, you just you just need that sort of like that spark of an idea, wherever it comes from. And then you don't put it down; otherwise, it will never get
1: finished. And are you are you particular with? You you said that you don't like people touching your stuff. Are you particular with other people adding to what you want, or are you quite open with that?
2: Um, I can do it, but I think I, I have a higher bar for everyone else. Right. So it's kind of it's got to be something that you know I really I think is a fantastic idea. Otherwise, um, yeah, we're not very this. <laughs>
0: Do you ever get bored with when you've started a song and you have to listen to it so many times over and over again? Does it sound, kind of do you start finding holes and and you start getting bored with a particular project?
2: You know, I never get that until like after after it's recorded. There'll be like one vocal line or something where I'm like, "I that should not have done that." That is, and it's just gonna grate on me for the rest of my life. <laughs> but only after it's too late. Right.
1: <laughs> and... <laughs> See, that's that's the thing i found with playing drums is you record it as it was and then you carry on playing it live and then you add bits still while you're playing it and then it gets to the point where it's oh, i wish i could re-record that now because this sounds great as what it is now but obviously it's, it's a set-in-time piece, set piece that it was. And What about you, Andy? Is there any, have you ever got bored with listening to the same piece over and over and over again, particularly when Tom was doing his 50 takes to do one solo? Yeah. <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> it, it was um, actually more than 50 yeah, takes, my <laughs> um, I had was, to bring it up, yeah. Tom. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, I only got a bit frustrated when i did my own solo stuff but that was mainly at my own grotesque limitations as a singer right um i mean to be honest you can you can go a long way in listening to something but you're not really hearing anything right because you're so used to hearing something as is or you're so convinced that maybe what you've done is the limit of what can yeah Yeah. the level it's gonna be I mean, sometimes it's just easier just to not listen to it for two days and then you come back and you think, right. well, that's actually all right. Or, well, I was right. That was total crap.
1: I mean, that's kind, <laughs> um, that's kind of what Tom was saying about the, the fresh ears um, with his guitar parts. Sometimes you probably just need that extra person to say, oh, why don't you try this?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's you have to bear in mind that recording in itself is a fake environment. Right. Um, because you can basically do almost anything you want and within reason but um the thing that what tom has mentioned is is a thing that I do with lots and lots of people is to try and get like the wee kind of things that are in the background like we twists and things like that random wee guitar parts or something yeah. it just kind of like pulls out of nowhere you your interest, yeah, like lot of the textures. And- so that even if it's just like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, solo, double chorus, end, yeah. you know, there's there's so much going on texturally and and under under the surface of it all that it doesn't sound like it's maybe as monotonous as I just made it sound. Yeah, as an example. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, gives you chance to do weird shit as well. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: headphones on and get into to feedback and...
3: oh yeah yeah yeah. i mean because um, like one of the one of the things obviously was um i did like a bit what was about 12 12 layers of feedback on the beginning of one song just for a laugh <laughs> and, you know, i was just like Come on, just one more, <laughs> just, just one more. And I can't forget that, but like nine or ten times, yeah. um,
1: it sounded great. Though. <laughs> it's, it's. I've, I've always found it very interesting from a production point of view. Um, when you're listening to the recordings and stuff, and think, and and you just get just a random idea of what could go really texturally in the background. I remember a video of watching. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. It's. Um, the behind the scenes of uh, From Can to Can't the set on the Sound City album, which is done by Dave Grohl. And they sort of do the behind the scenes of how they recorded it. And they're recording a guitar part and Butch Vig just randomly turns around and goes, there should be an Ebo in the background there. So he goes and gets an Ebo and they record it. And that's like a really prominent part of the sort of build up of the song. And it's just it's just like a random throwaway fault. that he And I, I found that fascinating that you could just
3: oh yeah 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 i mean it's it's quite often the case that maybe you won't necessarily have those ideas until literally the second that you need them yeah um and that's generally what it is it's all about um seizing not just the people you're recording seizing their inspiration you're also seizing your own right um because ultimately you want to have people been happy with their own material because in effect you're producing their own dreams in a way
0: do you have a lot of trial and error as well you might try something and and think actually no that that's not what it needed or
3: generally you'll generally you'll know pretty much right away right right um if you're if what you've suggested is going to work or not um it's it's not a big deal I mean as I say nobody's died <laughs> um so <laughs> the, the worst that can happen is you just kind of listen it back and go nah
0: yeah turn it back out <laughs> yeah. yeah
3: yeah delete that yeah I think it's <laughs> a skill
2: to have the ears for as well to like hear that space yeah like in that moment to be like no there is something missing there yeah yeah, yeah.
3: I mean it, it takes a while like but it's a skill that that anyone can develop if they want to it's just like everything else, it's just practice. Is that
1: one of the more enjoyable things about your job, would you say?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh I did a I did a track that came out the other day and um I ended up playing like a massive big string section on it. Right. Because <laughs> um, uh guy who recorded it was just like, Oh, we're gonna like do something. And he and he, he sent me this video and it was of him like um he had like garage band or Garbage band, as I call it. Um, and it, and he sent me a video, and it was it was it was him playing like the string section on on his phone with his two fingers like this, right? And I was just like, "That sounds like crap. Why don't you just let me do it?" Right. Um, <laughs> so I did, and of course, naturally. Surprisingly enough, it didn't sound like it was recorded in Garrett's band. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> you have to like suppress
2: stuff, listen to, like people's ideas and be like, well, you're wrong, but we'll do it your way. <laughs> um,
3: I mean, I never ever presume that I have a moratorium on good ideas, but I would say that, um, I did famously say this in a session once, well, everyone's entitled to their opinion, even if they are yeah. fucking wrong but for the most part, for the most part um sometimes ideas that you're so sure in your head when you're suggested, you're just thinking that isn't no that's rubbish and they'll work right yeah it's that's why it's it's just easier just not to be dismissive of everything and just be very very open to whatever is going on. And have you ever been
1: surprised with an idea that you thought might not have worked but it turned out to be quite good for the song? Yeah. Yeah. Is that a common or is
3: It's as uncommon as it isn't. Um yeah. sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. It really just depends on on what's going on. Right. Um, it Um and depends how um how struggling everyone is. <laughs> And uh, so, so, Tom, so, so I was going to say,
1: Tom, what was the, what's the most enjoyable part of your your, uh, your job, your role?
2: Um, I think, you know, when, when the show's running well and you just, I mean, you've got the best seat in the house to uh, the band I work for, a fantastic band, lovely guys, I love the music they play. Uh, I remember listening to them as a kid uh, on the way to school in my mum's car. So it's, it's just the best seat in the house for a fantastic show. Right. And that is, you know, as long provided nothing goes wrong, that, oh, yeah. that's definitely the best bit right, right. <laughs> when you watch them sort of getting into it as well and you can tell that they're enjoying it more than usual despite having done it for you know 35 years
1: as a musician have you learned much from doing your job uh yeah probably to give up really <laughs> <laughs> um, i've been lucky that um
2: i've looked after some some fantastic guitarists and uh did a tour in may uh with a guitarist uh guitarist todd blackmore who is outstanding and I quick guitar every single night on that tour, <laughs> the guy is just unreal. But then I think you kind of learn as well that like, it's, um, uh, there's different ways to play it, you know what I mean? In every in every context and that you, everyone has their strengths and you can kind of, you don't have to just push it in one direction as much as you can. Right. So I'm still fine. See so yeah, there you go. Just fine, <laughs> you know, <laughs> never gonna shred or anything right.
0: like that. <laughs> So what, is, is there a particular genre that you both prefer or are you kind of open to anything, really?
2: Uh, yeah, I get involved. I think sometimes when different stuff comes up, it's um, it's interesting to sort of get involved in that. Uh, I'm, I'm a straight pop man, you know, really. That, that is my dream to be involved in as well. I've always been in rock bands, but I love cheesy pop music. <laughs> I would just love to do as much of that as possible. All right that's interesting i can't convince anyone to do it with me uh, (laughs) or to do the music with me (laughs) (laughs) but but yeah that's that's the dream just out and out pop
0: and you look somewhat bemused by that
3: (laughs) no no not at all I, i just had this thought in my head of like um um, Tom wearing a wig, singing "I'm a Barbie Girl." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <didn't> it's popular. Thought, maybe, maybe this is one for the cutting room floor. But, <laughs> but um, I mean, in my case, um, I have lots of things. I've different genres. I've been involved in. I mean, I suppose predominantly, I've been doing hard rock slash metal um, most of my adult life. I mean, at the moment, I'm in two um, bands that are both progressive metal, um, so they're both kind of like odd time signatures and generally um, people stroking their beards trying to figure out where they should nod their head and realizing <laughs> they can't. Um, <laughs> but... Um, I suppose, um, I mean, I grew up watching bands like The Who, so it's, um, that's basically predominantly what's informed my own style of playing. But you have, you have sort of treaded other waters.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, You, you, yeah, you yeah. mentioned um, the rapper, uh, earlier, so I'd imagine you've done some rap music and stuff, right?
3: Yeah, I have done, yeah. I mean, um, it's, producing-wise, yeah, I mean, um i had a i don't know one um yesterday um it was a gentleman who came in and he was singing nepalese right he said what do you think andy i said well it's in time (laughs) um (laughs) (laughs) Um, well i mean i hasten to say he was was actually quite a good singer but the, the point of it was i was like he asked me what I thought in terms of, um, like, where could I put any doubles or any emphasis for vocals? And I said, well, I'd only be telling you from a rhythmic point of view. I don't know what any of the words mean.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might, so, yeah, in terms of the, the, the lyrics, it might not make sense. To so the context in the lyrics, of it
3: yeah. is is kind of um, a bit skewed. Right. So, I mean, I could say, well, these ones here. But as it turned out, when I suggested that, it wasn't actually um the whole crux of the line right right it just well what do i know I mean, um,
0: <laughs> so it's not part of your preparation to learn another language S- then <laughs> surprisingly
3: enough no i mean um a while back uh i did a gentleman um who did rap in romanian i mean he spoke perfect english mm. i mean and um, that that was an experience because um, I mean again it was like the stuff came out great. I can tell what he was saying. Mm. <laughs> and you get
2: like get them to sign something if you don't understand the lyrics to be like if this ends up being homophobic, transphobic, or in some way bigoted. That's a good question. That is
3: well, yeah, because my my son was um, was had um, a little boy in his, his class that was. Originally, his parents were from Romania, so and I thought, maybe I should ask yeah. one of his parents as to what this actually means. And then I kind of thought, maybe I should. Just in case. <laughs> just in case, yeah. Just in case.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I didn't. So just on the back um, of that, have you ever done any work that you've not wanted your name on, but you've taken the job anyway? Or is that not, not necessarily what you would, you would just refuse it regardless? <sighs>
3: I've only probably done that maybe once or twice right. and as it turned out um, it the it, it was a really badly recorded session and um, which I didn't record I hasten to say right. um, <laughs> and I basically got sent all the stems and I, and I said well look this isn't going to turn out well right. and they were like no no that's alright we'll just, just mix it and I was like really i mean and i did it and i couldn't get it to sound any better than mildly crap (laughs) (laughs) because i mean the 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 drum kit sounded like it had been i don't know recorded um in a small cupboard with um uh i don't know cereal boxes being smashed against a. Uh, a chest of drawers whilst biscuit tins had been thrown down a steel spiral <laughs> staircase uh, <laughs> well, well, whilst someone shouted into a pail <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just dreadful
3: and
1: um hey that's my band <laughs> yeah, yeah. And,
0: um, no your band's
3: not as good as that <laughs> but despite this, despite my misgivings about it they actually put it out wow and um about a month later they took it down because they said, Oh, you know, this just wasn't good enough. Right. And like kind of insinuated that it was my fault. Oh. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I was like, okay. Right. Uh, that's all right. It means I don't have to bother to do anything with that now. But um yeah. <laughs> the, the thing is, um I it's one of the reasons why I only take projects whose material I like. Right. Um because there's no point otherwise. I mean, I hasten to say it, that project I was just talking about, that was during COVID. Mm-hmm. So it's a case of, well, you know, needs must when the devil vomits into your coughing, you know? <laughs> well, that, that, that um, brings
0: me to one of my questions, actually. What, um, How how were you affected, both of you, how were you affected by COVID?
2: I was quite lucky, actually. So I, I came along after COVID, after a lot of people who'd previously been doing it had to go to, to day jobs. Mm-hmm. So there were openings because of that. Right. Uh, so, yeah, there's a certain amount of uh, guilt in having benefited out of that, really. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, I wouldn't be able to tell you what it was like before, in all honesty.
0: So, you kind of had somewhat it, of a know. silver lining from on, off the back
2: of it, in a way. Yeah, yeah, really. I was, uh, like, I mean, I was working the NHS during COVID and then came out into this. So, pretty good time for me, if i will being honest. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <Fair>. <laughs> how about you, Andy?
3: Um. It was difficult because, for me, um, I love the, the fun of having people round. And um, for me, it's um, it's it's as much of a social thing as it is work. It's it's generally if it's not fun, then what are you doing? Yeah. Mm. Um, if something's going to be a really massive, long, taxing nightmare, then well, you are totally in the wrong game, or you've picked the wrong people to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, But in terms of COVID, it just meant that I had to pivot more to do like mixing online. And I didn't really like it because when you're just doing revisions and people are sending you comments by by Messenger or WhatsApp or whatever the case might be, it's really impersonal. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't like that. I mean, don't get me wrong. You get people that do like online mixing, you'll get paid more than if you record a band in person. Right, right.
0: But does it somewhat prolong the process as well, obviously going backwards and forwards that way?
3: It can do. It depends how quickly they reply. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. (laughs) And also depends as to, um, because I always say to people, you know, just one person, just one person, Send me feedback. Not everybody, mm, just yeah. one. Agree beforehand so you can argue amongst yourselves. And I don't want to hear it. Just one set of revisions. Yeah, and that's fine.
0: Otherwise, you end up with people asking to be turned up like your your previous <laughs> metal
3: band. Yeah, because um, but ten years ago, I was in a band and um, we we, we basically had it mixed by a very good is before I started doing this. Um, where it makes by a very good friend of ours and but he he didn't live in england he lived in switzerland and um i could imagine how bad it was for him because we were all in this like messenger group so of course the three of us in the band would just like we would get a mix like every evening after he finished work and we would just be like tearing it to pieces (laughs) (laughs) it was just dreadful I, i felt so bad about it um because i just thought it was like the pinnacle of of like producing nightmares i mean in the end i kind of wished i hadn't even written some of the fucking songs that we put out because <laughs> of the fact that it took so long to do it <laughs> um but but in general um that's kind of what covid was like for me it was more pushing towards a different direction i don't mind it mm. but i wouldn't do it and nothing else. I always like to record people. I think it's much more fun.
1: Was there anything from COVID um that you had to adopt that you now is a common practice for you now? No one comes into the house. Okay. <laughs> <That's> fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> but there's no there's like you didn't take any you didn't take any of the um any of the like digital aspects of what you had to do during COVID and keep that as part of the process of recording and mixing
3: um i mean i i do very occasionally do like um composing for people um i did a bit of that that was good fun but um i tend to do less of that these days i'd
1: imagine i'd imagine during COVID, obviously you you take a step towards the digital stuff um i'm curious to know i kind of get an idea of how andy would would do this but for the both of you how do you um, how do you market yourselves? How do you get yourself jobs? Is it, again, I'm assuming is through mostly digital spaces and kind of word of mouth digitally. But Tom, I'm I'm curious to know how you would, would go about finding work and, and moving on to other jobs. It's
2: kind of the same sort of thing as you we were talking about this here before we started, I've reached a point where I kind of, I, have to, I almost have to start cold calling people. That I've had a beer with once after shows and things like that. And be like, remember me, do you know have any work? <laughs> so it's kind of, I'm not built for that, but we get into it. It's, I mean, it's learning processes across the board. Really. Right. But I'm quite lucky that I have, I know a few people from whom I do get recommendations and then you kind of, uh, I get hired by a management company who do have other acts, um, that I, you know, I'm available for if, if needed.
3: Okay.
2: But yeah. I think it's, it's one of those things you just, it's, uh, networking and, uh, making sure that when you when you are in those situations, you're doing everything well. Right. And
1: so I think you have to let that speak for itself really. So it's a lot of word of mouth and reputation sort of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Amongst the networking. Is, is that similar for you, Andy?
3: Um, Relatively so. Um, I mean, generally, I would tend to have more success if I, with someone if I'd actually went to see them and I chat with them after the show much, much in the same way as as Tom say, because the minute you kind of get to like, um, Hey, I found you online. Would you like to know about this, that this course I'm going to be running, that will make you a millionaire. (laughs) Um, You're kind of, you're kind of getting into that sort of territory and it's a bit more difficult, um, to kind of get, get yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, what am mess okay. Yeah.
1: Um,
3: as long as you don't make a complete mess of something and leave someone really unhappy. Because, as I say, that's what this game is. It's all results-based. Yeah. You screw someone over and everyone knows about it because of the simple fact is the the music community is very um, insular. Right. Um, and everybody knows everybody else. So um, okay. it's right. just... That, That's
1: how it is. That kind of moves on to one of the questions I had prepped for you, Tom, is that obviously you work for a, a, presumably a specific band at the moment um, or, <laughs> or management company. Um, how easy is it, for, is it for you to develop into working for a, a major label or a specific venue or a specific artist uh, more regularly? Um, I mean, when I when I work that out, I'll let you know.
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, yeah, hope, hopefully not difficult. Right. I mean, I've known people that have moved on to sort of uh, bigger acts and things like that, um, yeah, who've gone, you know, in this space is sort of a year 18 months from the, the job that I've been doing now to doing sort of arena tours around Europe and that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So,
1: yeah, yeah, hopefully not long. All right but we'll wait and see. (laughs) Would you want to move on to something like if if you talk to someone at say the O2, if you did it, if you did a job there and they had a job that's like a more permanent role as, as a backline tech or something at the, at the O2, would that be something that would interest you or or would you prefer to be on the road? Um, I mean, it would interest me, uh,
2: it, it would be a big step. Right. Um, to go up to something like that. I'm not sure in terms of equipment, in, cause I mean, um, bands use what they use. So, so as long as you're familiar with that setup, then it shouldn't really matter what stage it's on. Sure. I think it would more just be, um, you know, trying to go out and change guitars in front of, I don't know what it holds, 20,000 people or something like that. I,
1: don't know.
2: I thought that was gonna be quite tough when I first started doing it, but my my first show that I ever did was at the um, OSU Academy in Glasgow. Okay. And yeah. I remember the guitarist I was looking after, um, he came over to me. Oh, I did a guitar change with him, and he just said, Can you get my GoPro out of my bag and film me? So, all right, stood on the side of the stage saying it. And then he was like, Oh, can you kneel at the front of the stage and, you know, get me from the front? So I'm kneeling, you know, ass facing whatever is it, like three or 4,000 people. And you kind of think, you know, you just you have to do that. Right. And you just have to get on with it, and with it. So that was quite, you know, that helped. So maybe um, August, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> arse out the uh, the O2.
1: Which, uh, <laughs> I mean, how many people could say that, Tom?
2: Exactly, <laughs> uh, I think I'd be a select, yeah, <laughs> for an exclusive club.
0: <laughs> so, um, you both said earlier about playing instruments. So, what what instruments do you both play? Um uh, just guitar
2: really. so I play guitar and sing, uh, kind of, um. I think by virtue of having played something for or a stringed instrument for nearly twenty years now, can kind of pick up other things that where it makes sense, but only stuff like you know, ukulele. <laughs> uh, Everyone knows yeah, it's
3: wrong. Yeah, uh,
2: mandolin, little things like that. Uh, key, um, some rudimentary piano and keyboard stuff. Right, um, but nothing impressive. But yeah, drums I cannot get for the life of me. Uh, I've been learning the trumpet for three years. That is going terribly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, mainly just the guitar. Yeah.
3: And How about Andy? you, Andy? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, uh, I started when I was very young playing piano, um, as quite a lot of kids do. Um, I did play um, trumpet for a bit as well. Um, oh, you but- couldn't help me out. <laughs> I'm not giving you lessons. <laughs> um, we haven't played in a quite a long time. Um, my lips are too ticklish, that's my issue. <laughs> um, but mainly I just play bass these days. Right. Um I was gonna ask a question then. Oh, no, that's, that's what cool. I was going to ask.
1: Uh, w- would you say the instruments that you play? I-, I kind of already know the answer to this, but would you say the instruments you play help you with your job and, and the understanding of what you need to do for your role? Yes. Or could could you could you do it without having played an instrument before?
2: I mean, I imagine it's possible, but I mean, just for for coming into guitar tech, having that sort of background of, and knowledge of the instrument definitely helps. Okay. Still so had to learn stuff about, you know, um, getting setups and things right, and you know, looking after different styles of guitars and how different stuff runs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I definitely couldn't have. I wouldn't have wanted to get into it without having that knowledge previously. I mean, I, I know people that have, right, but I wouldn't have wanted to do that.
3: Okay, um, I think um, for me, probably not. You couldn't really get away with. Being a producer without playing something—you don't is, have to understand musical theory or anything like that necessarily. But it does
1: help. I was going to say—is that specifically for the type of music that you stick to or tend to to produce? Because obviously, um, DJs in inverted commas and stuff—a uh, very common thing—that you can do it in your bedroom and to quite decent standard. But that's a very different type of thing to a band set up so would you say that you knowing an instrument and saying that you couldn't really do what you do without having known an instrument is specifically for producing bands
3: no no i mean Ch- no yeah. i mean because even if you think about it um even if it's electronic music you, someone still had to play probably a mm. keyboard or something they've started to figure yeah. out what what notes they play. playing yeah, I suppose that's true.
2: But then you can also so say, is that whether or not you'd need sort of a relevance or context for what those notes actually mean, as opposed to just how it sounds.
3: Yeah, yeah, basically.
2: Right. So, I mean, that's, I think that's musical theory in a nutshell. Yeah, niche, it be? is. Yeah,
3: yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, it's, it's, it's not like you are going to turn around and go, "Well, this is in, I don't know, Phrygian mode or something like that, or or Locrian," <laughs> um, but you know, not, half of the people won't know what that means and quite frankly it doesn't matter right it's as i say it's not about that it's about are they do they enjoy the experience Have are they getting what they want um i think if you were to be a producer with no musical knowledge per se you would probably end up picking it up by osmosis
2: i think that's how most people do it
3: yeah Mm. i mean because Quite a lot of musicians i know they they don't know how to read music for anything it doesn't hinder them but by the same token they're not in a place where it will it's a bit different playing i don't know we're royal philharmonic orchestra Mm -hmm. good luck if you can't read music for that (laughs) i'll just go and improvise (laughs) (laughs) that was a bit jazzy wasn't it first violin (laughs)
1: Um, is there anything, I, th- I think we've kind of already touched on this, but is there anything that you absolutely dread to do? It's, let's keep it specific to your job, of
3: course.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel, uh, well, it's going to be a diplomatic answer, I think. I don't want to re- end my career before it's probably started. Um, I think a lot of the time <laughs> you, can, you can go to venues where it's, it's just particularly hard work. A lot of places aren't... Um, I met someone recently who'd who'd helped in the design of a venue that um we did a show at in december and she was saying like oh, what did you think of the place and it's a beautiful venue for everything except you know how you get in and put a show on because I, I guess a lot of people don't kind of think about that too much so some places some venues will be lovely when you're playing but just particularly hard work to yeah. get everything in and out of and set up and you know there's not enough power on the stage and yeah yeah it's just hard work before and after right. that that's always when you've got to start carrying flight cases up like three flights of stairs right. or there's one oh there's one venue where they, they have a forklift that goes up uh i think it's about two stories and i can't watch it you know you're watching thousands of pounds worth of equipment thinking <laughs> this, this thing's gonna tip and yeah i can't
3: absolutely can't watch it did the driver of that forklift pass passes. It- his breathalyzer test in the morning <laughs> yeah the driver of the forklift also runs
2: front of house so if he's doing the band on after, well, i've had it before but he's been doing sound for the band on after us so no one can operate the forklift so we have to sit there for an extra hour
0: and a half you never fancy giving it a go yourself tom not certified mate no? i'll get there one day <laughs> 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 yeah.
3: yeah what about you andy any any there's it doesn't really happen very much just generally i i dread working with people that aren't prepared really when it's anxiety like you take for seven. um obviously i i'll let that one go tom <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's more unusual you you'd be surprised really i mean most people are generally very on it because although i don't charge by the hour or i generally charge per per song depending on what the what the band want or the the artist wants um it's more really about the thought that if someone isn't prepared then it's just going to take forever Mm. and it's and it's not i it's not necessarily very useful it's just something that you thought you really kind of should um have um looked into what you thought you were going to do a bit more
0: on that do you tend to give yourself sort of um time limits on certain projects or can they really vary on how how long they take to to get out yeah. there
3: um some things vary i mean generally say if it's like a, a four-piece band um you're never going to do more than one song in a day unless it's a very short song Hmm um like something like hardcore punk or something. Um and certainly if it's something that's very long and twisty and progressive, you might not even get a whole song done in a day. Right.
0: So can it vary from genres as well?
3: Yeah. Right. Very much so. Um it's as I say, it's it's all dependent on the, the setup of the band, how densely packed the material is, how Difficult it is to play um, and all the rest of it. And also taking into account fatigue with people Mm -hmm. because the most I've ever had anyone record drums was they did five songs in one day. And that, now admittedly, all the songs were less than three minutes long, but they came out looking like a piece of jelly. (laughs) and they were an immensely that guy was immensely fit Mm. um but he just walked out like um wow i don't know like he'd been thrown up and down a springboard a bit too much (laughs) um but i mean obviously you can't do that with other things like um, you can't just ride a vocalist until they basically die so Mm. because you'll maybe only get like two or three hours out of them before they're basically stuffed Mm. and if you do that then they may not necessarily be able to even use their voice properly again for like two or three days so in many ways it's um it's all down to scheduling Mm -hmm. so if you're doing like um all in one go i'd probably arrange it so that maybe all the drums get done at the same time or within the same Length so you, they'll get broken down, but after that, between guitars, bass, and vocals, as an example, I'd split them all up so that basically nobody would get completely done in and fatigued, especially as singers. Wow. Right.
2: So, kind of like so bands being prepared to so help you better with like logistics and
3: that? Yeah. Yeah, basically. Because writing
2: sessions for if, like, a band isn't fully prepared, mm-hmm. do you ever sit in on like stuff like that?
3: I have done um but I mean quite a lot of times they'll just be like that oh, we can just walk out here and I'm like well yeah you can but I'll end up charging you for yes, it yeah. <laughs> I mean because I generally have this kind of like uh a, a massive kind of list of do this don't do that you know I mean it it ranges from the simple things of like did you go out and get completely smashed the night beforehand, <laughs> Are, do you think that maybe changing your rusty strings is a good idea? <laughs> yeah. um, do you realise that your song actually has these sections in it and use these these notes? Because if you didn't, that might be a problem. <laughs> you no, know, it's, it's just simple stuff like you know, just be prepared, um, turn up. Um and just relax.
0: Have you ever had a situation where you've had to lend someone an instrument because their instrument that they have is particularly bad?
3: Yeah. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep, quite a few times. Exactly. It's why uh it's why I have like various guitars and basses and stuff in the studio. Mm. I mean I normally would say to people, you know, make sure everything's all set up. Make sure you've got fresh strings, you've got spares, you've got spare batteries if you need um You know, all the rest of it. Bring whatever tools it is that you need, if they're speciality ones, specialist hex keys, or whatever case they are, so you can actually do maintenance if something basically goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there have been times where someone has just shown up with a, an instrument that was so bad you kind of think, well, it's just such a pity you just didn't have an open fire. <laughs> <laughs>
0: do you allow bands to bring in their own drum sets and stuff like that? Or do you normally have like a drum set that's already
3: set up? I have a, I have a drum kit here. But mm-hmm. I mean, if, if they want to use their own, then they use their own. Mm-hmm. But what I will always say to people is reskin it. Or better still, bring it the night before you're going to start. And we'll set everything the night before mm. so that you won't have this nonsense of we'll, like what normally happens is when you're recording drums, where you'll you, you turn up in the morning at like 10 o'clock and then you'll spend four hours basically putting the drum kit together, then putting all the mics on, and then going, right, hit snare for the 10,000th time right now, first time. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, you just go through all that crap. Whereas mm. if you if you do all that the night before, then basically the person who's playing drums can relax, they know they've got a good sound because you've recorded a wee snippet of them, and so you've went through the, the whole um how do you want your drums to sound? Do you mm-hmm. want them to be snappy? Do you want them to be a bit more thuddy? You know, whatever the case might be. Um and um you you basically kind of tune with what they want the end result to be Mm. and that's really what tracking is yeah it's it's about um you're basically going from what the client is saying to you that they want and putting it into practice because i mean there's going to be obviously a very big difference between someone that wants like a drum sound like uh I don't know, if you're really sad enough to want a drum sound like Lars Ulrich. <laughs> to whether um, you want um, a drum sound that's more like a Motown type drum sound. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obviously drums would be tuned very differently. Right. But yeah, it's, it's just all about that. And once you tune for what result you're going to get, then um, you're a lot better off. Because you won't be fighting the tonality of whatever it is you've recorded in the mix. Um I was going to ask when when we were talking about your setup of your studio did you give
1: much thought about the sound um dampening and stuff in your in, in your room was that much of a consideration that you you had to put into
3: Um yeah because obviously um the walls are a foot and a half thick right. but I, I mean long like long specifically long. in the room and, and the noise bouncing around in the room Yeah I did yeah I mean I I had to <coughs> um give some thought to it but I deliberately didn't deaden the room um completely right i left it relatively lively so i'll get good drum sounds right and is that is uh, did you give much
1: thought as to where you would want your the drums positioned in the room as well or is that just a happenstance
3: um basically when i initially put it in the the drums were actually in the back corner um, but I wasn't really recording then, I was just really more rehearsing. Over the time, it kind of gradually moved right into the centre of the room and um, the they became more equidistant from the walls and it just became just easier recording.
1: Yes, it's interesting because, again, going back to the Sound, Sound City thing, uh, in the documentary, they're talking about there's a specific pocket of space in their big like sort of warehouse studio thing, yeah where just for whatever reason drums sound amazing in that yeah. space, so I wondered if that was a similar sort of situation that you had in your
3: it's, it's kind of the same, yeah I mean in in an ideal world, it depends on what um what your your studio is for right um I mean obviously if it's mastering and just mastering you would completely sound treat it beyond any level of um reflection or earth and it would be so dead it'd be unreal um mixing you can kind of get away with it a bit more um it really just depends I mean but once you get used to the space and how it sounds yeah um it doesn't really matter because you're used to it
0: right is there any ways of like temporarily modifying the space if yeah you, want you need to, need to a little put bit more screens up stuff.
3: and things like that right um i don't do that for drums because you just destroy all the room sound right
2: Do you have to leave yourself like something to work with that someone comes in with like an entirely different kit because i imagine i like, i don't know very much about drums but while well, like an 18 inch ride it's going to sound different to something of a different size or <laughs> you know Mike. this is more your area mike yeah. like i know you get some snares are bigger than others right
3: well, I
1: mean, I mean, there's also the the difference between like having a a single kick and a double kick. um Yeah, would would the size of the 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 kit change how you would want to position the where it is?
3: No, you would you would still have it, so it's like bang in the center, right? um So it's all equidistant from the walls in terms of where the middle of the kick drum is generally. Right. Is right. that,
1: and is, is that the same with the mic? Like the overhead, in particular, miking would would the no. kit affect that? The the
3: overheads <coughs> vary for, as to where the symbols are placed, right?
1: Okay,
2: because
3: anyway. ultimately, for most of the music I record, it's um you can't really do the the technique of like do using the overheads to capture the whole kit. You don't want to do that because. Mm-hmm. um you want to be able to separate the shells out so generally I would use the the overheads to just catch the cymbals right and obviously it varies as to where people put them when when you're recording
0: do you always record your instruments separately or has there been certain circumstances where you would record together
3: um depends what somebody wants really I mean there's pros and cons to each way doing it if you all record together you can do it with amps or without. Um, it depends what you want to keep from from a whole take. If it's, are you just wanting to keep the drums? Are you wanting the whole band performance? If if not, um, it doesn't really matter what everyone else is doing, really. Um, if it's just for the drums and it's not a, a whole band take, then you can get people to play through software, straight in a computer, and it will allow you maintain the room sounded a drum so they'll still sound okay Mm -hmm. as long as everyone wears headphones um or you can just do it that everyone's playing very loudly and you can just accept that whatever mistakes happen happen Mm -hmm. and um the band plays until they get a take they feel they're happy with which can take some time or maybe not um it's much of a muchness
0: do you prefer recording on um, so for drums, for instance, and piano? Do you prefer recording like acoustic instruments or do you go or, or do you prefer recording on like electronic drums or a keyboard? Does it make um, anything easier
3: or harder? A keyboard's definitely easier than a piano, but I've yet to find someone who says, "I'm going to bring an upright piano with me." <laughs> All right I'll just, yeah, I'll funny. just put that in a gig bag
0: a <laughs> um, grand um, piano through the door <laughs> yeah ex- exactly
3: well, let's fit up through your letterbox then um, but um, and as for as for drums it doesn't matter um, I generally prefer an acoustic drum kit but by the same token I've done sessions where the drums have been just basically MIDI and I've like run them through Superior Drummer or something and just use them
1: like that. Mm, right. Now, I was going to say that the, the previous topic we were talking about sort of helps me segue into a question I've got for Tom, which is um, would would you have to change your attitude or your sort of routine at a gig if the gig was to be recorded either just audioly or visually? <laughs> would that change how you would, would approach a gig? Um, well,
2: I'd like to say that whatever the show, I'm professional anyway, right. you know, in all instances. Yeah,
1: but across... you would ha- you would have to adapt a little bit, right?
2: Nothing but, yeah, I mean, I imagine so. It's not something I've, I don't think it's something I've done. I mean, I think they, they filmed some of the festival, one of the festival series we did last year. Uh, so, yeah, presumably I was on my best behavior that day, uh, hopefully. But, um, okay. yeah, oh, I, uh, was... I imagine...
1: So, are you? Are you? Why best behavior? Are you talking about visually what you're doing on stage and looking professional, or are you talking about actually you're doing your setup and what not being professional, looking professional?
2: It'd it just be sort of during the show. I think right. you'd make more of an effort to. I mean, you do any... You kind of you don't want to be noticed. Yeah. And any sort of changes have to be done quite, uh, quite slick, really, quite quickly, and uh, yeah, try and not do anything that's going to detract from what's going on. True. on stage True. whereas i imagine if it's being if it's being recorded then i imagine let's see this is more uh your remit. i imagine it just be lined out from whatever's um mic'd yeah or put out into the desk and it would just be taken from there yeah so i'd probably be fine i wouldn't have to change anything for audio i might maybe i would wear a shirt
1: for uh, <laughs> a t-shirt for, so uh, that's that's a question it's a bit of a silly question right well why do you always wear black
2: I, th- I think the, the idea is not, that not no, you in
1: particular, be, but the the back backline. Yeah, right? I maybe mean, it's just my style. Big Johnny Cash fan.
2: Yeah, I do. I kind of think of it like, um, do you remember that bit in Pantos when you were kids, where there was always the weird sort of neon bit? Yeah, yeah, where like fish would some people would start moving fish around so they could do a set change or whatever. I kind of think of it
1: like that: that we're not supposed to be seen because right. we're in black. Yeah, but if it's we're if it's in the middle of the day,
0: there's not much you can do. Really, you might as well wear you want. No
2: yeah well i mean i think most backdrops
0: on the stage are probably black as well right i suppose if you're doing a festival you could like wear camouflage or something like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> then they might not see me if i'm coming on with a guitar Oh, guitar. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's some of the tom we'll start with you. What, what's some of the stranger instruments that you've come up against
2: um i've not come up against anything sort of too yeah, particularly out of the ordinary. There's some sort of setups that are quite in-depth where um looked after a keyboardist once. Who, it was it's quite a simple setup, really, once once you get your head around it. But it's uh, just how everything kind of seems to go through each other and the, the the signals come back through and it all goes into a desk and then it's out through various pedals and then, then lined out to the desk. But in terms, I haven't come across any sort of like wacky instruments yet kind or uh
0: <laughs> how
2: about
1: you or, Andy? you <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: but yeah nothing sinister what about you andy any anything out of the ordinary um i recorded someone playing a theremin once that was really good fun <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: none of the you know the squeezy ball things and none of that no you
3: know, the, no i uh, uh, well, enough, um one, one of my friends is is in this um sort of like clown core uh, <laughs> right. metal band. It's brilliant. Uh, um and it's uh it's absolutely fantastic. And there's um Do they all turn up in still, one car? Uh,
0: Um, the (laughs) music is
3: so unbelievably heavy and ferocious and then all of a sudden after this huge big chorus and lots of screaming the ultimately the song clicks silent and all you hear is someone going (laughs) (laughs) "Like, one of those horns that you would see like on a penny farming it's like the funniest thing ever
0: that's very (laughs) niche it's
3: just great I had to replay that about like seven or eight times just because I thought I want to keep laughing at this forever because it's brilliant. <laughs> Going back to
1: the the sort of marketing question, and do you, do you ever find yourself in a position where you kind of have to bid for a job, or is it simply just we want to hire you, and then that's it?
3: Well, you have to kind of look at it like this: you charge what you charge, and people will take it or they won't. Right. And it's as simple as that okay the minute you start to try and accommodate people is where they better have a really good reason for it right um and not just because like um I don't know Phil's lost his job um yeah. working at the chicken factory you right. know yeah, it, yeah. it better be a case that like um I don't know maybe maybe the band is signed to um a reasonable sized label or something so there's a chance you might get some more work out of it i don't know yeah um but generally you don't want to compete with people on price it's really bad right okay um because the minute you start doing that you you're just going to get lowballed
1: yeah,
3: all yeah. The i think time. it's kind
2: of an unspoken thing sort of in the music industry when you see like depth shows going out people will be heavily criticized for sort of undercutting yeah i guess, yeah i'm not sure if there is an industry standard on stuff like that but it's uh, it's poor form and that sort of thing to try and undercut
3: people oh yeah, yeah. okay I, I would go so i would go so far as to say that it's um it's uh just a whole learning experience for everyone and on a serious level um whilst i would laugh about that it's it's like um there was i recorded a band um, a while back um maybe a couple of years ago and um this um guitarist was trying to play this really quite flashy solo and he, he just wasn't getting it right and lot of guys are sitting on the sofa they're bored bored <laughs> to death and this is not you no, Tom. I was gonna say. um <laughs> and um he must have went through about 30 40 takes and i and he screwed it up again and i mean he was he was a very good player i hasten to say he was just nervous right and i said well maybe just one more and he just looked at me and he said we're feeling you know, massive puppy yeah. dog eyes, and I said, nah, correctly. <laughs> <laughs> now, you might say that sounds particularly harsh, but the other guys in the band just started killing themselves laughing, and it was just <laughs> enough to break the ice for him, and he did it Yeah, one take. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's that's really interesting, actually. Um, Tom, do you have to, is there anything in, in your line of work where you have to deal with um, be, sort of people being a bit shy or um nervous
2: not really i mean i've been quite quite fortunate that the the people i've for even the people i haven't worked with who've just sort of been around on site at these festivals i don't know if it's because most of the stuff is sort of on the 80s scene i don't know if it's because people have been doing it for you know a long time that everyone's everyone's quite comfortable in what they're doing and quite accustomed to sort of the the setting and you know, a lot of them have been playing these songs for like thirty-five, forty years. Hmm. So there's no never no really sort of shyness, and it's kind of um, it's all quite a relaxed atmosphere. Really, I think hmm. everyone kind of sort of has an appreciation for the fact that there's so many people there all working for the same thing to get it on. <laughs> so no divas or or, right. uh, or shyness, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: I was I was going to ask Andy. You mentioned about having people there while they're recording. Um it's kind of an I I think anyway, it's kind of an unwritten rule with amongst bands, you don't bring your girlfriend to practice. Um is that a similar sort of thing that you would say is an unwritten rule, you don't
3: bring friends or girlfriends or whatever to Um, your recording? I I would say um I always put it into people that if they want to bring folk, that's fine. But just know the fact that if they start interfering with a session where that be, in whatever context, I'll I'll just throw them out. Okay, fair enough. Um, I mean, there was one band I recorded a few years ago, and um, the drummer, she brought a boyfriend. Right. She, was a, she was a really good drummer. And um, the guy was, like, sitting on, on the sofa, which is, as you know, is, like, right next to this massive orange guitar cab. Yeah and the guys is bored to death so he's he's having a sleep um because we've already done the bass and whatnot and um I said right okay let's 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 do some guitars now and I said um has he got earplugs in No, I mean he was snoring yeah. and um <laughs> wait well, he certainly wasn't snoring about 15 seconds later when <laughs> uh, when, when basically the guitarist started playing 100 watt valve amp hair <laughs> and um it's fair to say that um he may have needed to change his underwear
1: <laughs> is, is that something you facilitated andy do you have a spare pair of
3: underwear line <laughs> no 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 not really but it was so funny i mean the guy virtually died I, mean, I, I, I don't know if he was having a dream about I don't know the firebombing of Dresden or something, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but he basically woke up with um quite a jolt. Yeah, i imagine most of his internal organs being rearranged. <laughs> it, it's all fun what both Tom and I do. I mean, it has yeah. its it has its negative points, you know, but ultimately, there's much more hilarity and laughs yeah. and stupidity right. and and fun. Than there ever is anything that's utterly soul destroying or yeah. um, negative. Sure, and that's the main
1: that's the main reason why you do it, right? Is the yeah. enjoyment of it? Well, that's it. Uh, Does it feel like work? Is, is
0: no, exactly. not to me.
1: Yeah,
0: It means you are doing the right thing.
2: No, it doesn't feel like work until it really feels like work, and something's right. going wrong, and you know everyone's trying to fix it. And for some, yeah. some I had a uh, playback unit that wasn't working uh, last weekend. Could not for the life of me work it out. And then we just switched it off and back on, and it was fine. But you know, if you're watching everything look like wired up and thinking, like, Why is the sound not going through? What's going wrong there? Mm. Yeah, and the classics are the best.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah switch off and switch on again. Oh, yeah. it's, it's a miracle cure. I don't know why you didn't do that in the first place.
2: No, I know. It was a bit silly of really. But yeah, I think if you're working with good people and you're in a nice environment where everyone sort of understands what you're doing, but yeah oh, so uh,
1: Tom you mentioned fun. about traveling around the UK have you done would you ever consider doing much traveling around the world or around Europe or whatever
2: I'd love to um it's band I work for have got um I think they're oh, I, I don't well they've got some shows that might come up abroad soon I don't want to announce anything that I don't think they've announced yet but, um <laughs> uh, but yeah they've got shows next year in New Zealand
1: Oh, which wow, be good.
2: Yeah, it will be, be too expensive to take me so I won't be going for that but I would right. have loved to have uh, to gone to New
1: Zealand for it can you not but just yeah, happen and, to have a holiday at that time of the year and go oh well I, while I'm here yeah, I don't think I'd <laughs> earn the money back
2: the furthest I've got is Belgium and that was um, just completely different than you get over here and some places over here are fantastic we're looking after you right. but I think we played at yeah. like 3 in the afternoon over there and it was just uh, drinks were free all day um and yeah so it's just rude not to um take full advantage of it and you know right. push it a bit too far as you know as soon as you're finished with the work on that in
0: yeah. those circumstances do you have to deal with like the language barrier quite a lot or do they tend to all have basically speak english
2: i think Bel- Belgium we were quite lucky because they um i'm trying to think our pack that we got for it listed sort of like four languages that i guess get used in belgium i don't know if uh yeah I don't know what the main language is there if It's like French or German
1: I think it depends Spanish. on the region
2: I yeah, think. yeah I
1: think.
2: um but yeah so I've, I've got some pigeon French and German and <laughs> so, wait okay I did have to go to a supermarket
3: to ask you way to the beach in a very loud voice
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I think
2: the volume trick is the best
1: one <laughs> totally <That's another>. it. <laughs> it's very loud English everyone understands <laughs> yeah, I think we're very
2: lucky in that respect that minimal effort's required. Yeah. And especially yeah. if it's if it's an event where you've got bands from more than one, one act from the UK or different acts from around Europe, people kind of there'll be someone on site that can help you out.
0: What's the in most there? interesting venue that you've played in?
2: Oh, great question. Um Probably well two really. One is uh we played in Holmfirth. Which is uh, just a beautiful little town in uh, Yorkshire, and it was just it was just a great venue. It's a bit weird at the side of the stage. Everything was kind of sort of ladders around the side of the stage to get up and down on that, which was a bit bit weird mm. uh, in terms of sort of going backstage via a ladder. But um, Pizza Express in Holborn, we did a couple of times on the same tour, and that's just quiet. Trying to sort of stand, there's nowhere at the side of the stage to stand and right. the, the stage is just not set up it's not big enough for the setup that we had to have like a six-piece band in there i think they're used to sort of like solo acts or like jazz trios and stuff like that mm. so trying to be stationed sort of as the, at the bar keeping an eye on them um, what changes you've got to do making sure the guitar is the keyboard player are all right while people are running pizzas past you try not to knock into waiters with drinks looming <laughs> over people's tables who are just trying to eat and enjoy the show
3: God, it's all rock and yes, roll, isn't it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I like the way that you had to be stationed at the bar as well. Oh yeah, I mean <laughs> That sounds brilliant. <laughs> the priorities, the priorities. That was no accident.
1: It's a hard life. <laughs> right, so on the last sort of two questions that is hopefully gonna end the uh episode on a sort of jolly note. Um for the both of you, what's what's the best bit of advice you've been given in terms of what you do for a job and or what's the best bit of advice you would give to someone who, who wants to venture into a similar role?
2: I think that sort of the more you can talk to the people you're actually working for, the more you can be understanding of their requirements and what they, not just what they need from you, but what they expect from you as well. So how involved they want you to be, if anything, is going to go wrong when they want you to, so some people will want you to rush out immediately, but if it's something that they can sort out without you, other people will want to do that. So it's kind of making sure you kind of have that relationship with the person you're specifically looking after is the biggest thing. And to just do it really, if if you want to do it and you, you have that avenue to go into, it, it's great work. It's a lot of fun. And uh yeah, don't don't wait
3: to do it. Andy. Um just don't take anything personally. Really can i add that to my one um because i mean i know a lot of people that like they'll they'll um mix stuff and they'll actually get pissed off when folk come back with revisions and i'm like well why Mm. are they attacking you personally do they say you smell (laughs) it's it's not a big deal i mean ultimately um quite a lot of being a producer especially if you're recording people and you're not doing anything remotely is as much about just being a relatively good laugh to hang out with i mean you'll probably get as much work just from being that as as you would do from being any good right Mm -hmm. um you'd be really surprised at that um i think how some people can kind of you know they just get away with not necessarily giving the best results for people but it not matter because the band have had a good time okay so so similarly
1: for the, for the both of you then a lot of uh a lot of presenting yourself really well and, and sort of doing as much as you
3: can Yeah, for, i mean it's, it's, it's as much soft skills as it is um <laughs> And people skills is it is um things things like actual technical know how for sure. I mean this is gonna be the same for Tom as well, of course. Yeah. Um it's all just um how you relate to people and that'll affect how you mm-hmm. how how you get on with your job, how many people will take you on if they don't know you personally, um and all the rest of it. Sure. Um Okay. And um and your final thoughts on
1: uh what would you say has been your proudest moment to date in, in terms of Well in yeah in terms of your job I suppose, yeah. Yeah, great question man. A tough one. Um
2: I played oh we did a show in I think it was in Milton Keynes and uh I had to be very hands on with helping um one of the musicians with their uh, with their in-ears pack that wasn't getting signals. So going back and forth and changing it over. At one point, I couldn't unclip it from his belt. So I had to kneel next to him on the stage, holding this thing and then controlling the volume based on hand signals for what he wanted. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, it wasn't a big venue. It was only sort of like 300 people in there, I think. But uh, being knelt right at the front of the stage, sort of eye level with people was a bit... Yeah, I think there's a time when I'd, I'd have found that tough. Right. Maybe, I mean, maybe uh, losing shame
3: would be it would be a problem for me <laughs> For me, I, I don't know it depends um there's quite a lot of stuff I've done I'm very proud of by the same token I suppose you could argue there's some stuff I can't listen to now and I'll go ah oh, I could have done that so much better I'm watching the same way Mikey as you were talking about like um oh god you know I could re-record that drum fill or whatever yeah, yeah. you know but it's just a moment in time as to where you are personally professionally and also what your skill set is at the time and also what you're presented with i mean a bad session will always sound like a bad session if you're given it Mm -hmm. um and there's not really too much you can do sometimes to get out of that but um no there's certainly quite a few eps i've in singles i've done for people i'd be i was really happy with and i've been. Very happy. That they're happy.
1: Okay. okay. Um, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. All right. Well, before we let you go, guys, we'll give you the opportunity to plug whatever it is you want to plug. Andy, I know you, you, you'd you like to uh, to uh, make a mention of your website for people to contact you. But if there's anything you want to plug, guys, this is your time to do it. Right. So I'm in a band called
2: Simmons and the Stag, <laughs> um, who provided the wonderful theme tune, for the it's still the theme tune, right yeah its yep. although it wasn't, one, to, it, wasn't, <laughs> it, wasn't
3: until, it wasn't until you actually said it was <laughs> yeah um,
2: yeah who provided the wonderful theme tune for this uh, podcast uh, cannot think of when we're playing next uh, well we were going to be playing in October weren't we so. we were but I think that's kind of four and three yeah so check them out the boys are fantastic what a bunch of musicians uh, Simmons and the Stakes.
3: Um, well, obviously I have my own studio in South East London in Welling, Um, and you can put the, my website in the, in the notes, it, box. it, it yeah. will be in the description. Yeah. yeah. And if you want a kind, considerate producer, um, who knows his stuff, then I'm sure you can find it somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. did, did you
1: want to plug your band Andy or bands should I say? Um,
3: yeah, if you want, um, I can do, um, I'm in two bands. Um, both are uh, progressive metal bands. Um, one of them, Terbium, um, just had a new single out. And um, my other band, um, Ellen, um, we're playing up in Camden Assembly, I think on this Saturday, the 16th of September. For all you oh. trivia buffs. <laughs> and um, no, it's not really been announced yet. We only figured it out a few days ago. Yeah. yeah we got the new scoop yeah, yeah, <laughs> well exactly. we appreciate
0: that thanks
3: i'm going to be told off by the other
1: people in the band after us um, <laughs> I, I, so i presume andy and and tom you can find those bands on spotify and all the other uh music playlists uh music platforms
2: right yeah, instagram uh and the stags spotify Sims and the stags uh facebook presumably
3: yeah, obviously my bands are on Spotify and all the rest of it, Apple right. Music and I don't know, whatever doesn't pay any artists anything, diesel. Um <laughs> <laughs> so, and, <laughs> so it's in case of Ellen it's E L Y N. Um in Terbium it's well T R B I U M. Nice.
1: Well, guys, thank you very much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. I hope it was as enjoyable for you as it was for me. And I certainly learned a few things. So thank you very much for that. Thank you. No, thank you. Well, Joe, that was good fun. They were really nice chaps, weren't
0: they? They were, mate. Yeah, I learned quite a lot from that. And, uh, well, I say quite a lot. I learned a lot, a lot. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. that was, yeah, really good. Really good.
1: Yeah. Well... uh, well, I, I think we did okay. As yeah, you know, for the first time interviewing people, I think I think we I think we did okay. I'm sure people will let us know if we did if we did it. Yeah, maybe. exactly. Great. But, um, <laughs> yeah. If, if anyone listening has a particular passion or interest or expertise in something, and you'd like to tell the masses about it, uh, get in contact. We'd love to we'd love to hear from you and, and interview you. Um,
0: yeah, Joe.
1: Any anything else? No, no. Okay. Well, thanks for listening to this first edition of the Finding Intelligence spin off series.
3: You have been listening to the Missing Intelligence Pod. Joe, where can people
1: come and join the chat?
0: Well, you can tweet us on Twitter. You can slide into our DMs on Instagram, duet us on TikTok, poke us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, or um, uh, what do you do on threads? I don't know. Um, Like, so,
1: maybe? Sew us on threads? Is that a thing? I don't know. It's so new. Sew us on threads. There you go. Why not? All of them are at the Missing Intel Pod. So find us there and let us know your thoughts. And join the chat today.